Hey there, it's Andrea. Today, we talk Miami Vice in space. We debate the Prime Directive again, and we ask the question, did we really need an after-school special for this episode? Stay tuned to find out. Welcome to the TNG Podcast, the number one place in the Alpha Quadrant to geek out about all things Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm your co-host, Sharice. Hey, I'm your co-host, Andrea. Sharice, today we are talking about Season 1, Episode 21, entitled Symbiosis. This episode was written by Richard Manning and Hans Beamler and directed by Wynne Phelps. The star date is unknown, and I've decided to add a little tidbit, the air date, the original air date of mm-hmm. the episode, which was April 18th, 1988. So. I love thinking about like what the world was like at that time, like when this episode aired. Yeah. And I think even just the year is really helpful because the, I don't know, the April thing, maybe it was more detail for me, but um, (laughs) knowing that it's in the eighties versus like any other time makes a really big difference. It really does. Doesn't it? At least for me, it does. Mm -hmm. So here's the plot of symbiosis. I love this episode. The enterprise attempts to rescue a freighter, which has been disabled by a star's magnetic field and is about to collide with a planet. An agreement is reached to transport over the crew of the freighter, but they surprisingly send over a cargo barrel first. The Enterprise crew attempts to transport the freighter's crew, but is only successful in recovering four of them before the ship is destroyed. Two, Tijan and Romus are scruffy and unshaven, while the other two, Sobi and Langor, are groomed and well-dressed. They all show relief that the barrel made it over and little remorse for the lost ship and crewmen. Both groups start to fight over the ownership of the mystery cargo. Ooh, so this is like a nice synopsis where you're not even talking about what it's about yet. I think that's so fun. Do you, <laughs> do you want to keep that going or do you want to just spill yeah. the beans? No, you know what? Let's, let's, uh, let's Have this keep one it- be a mystery episode. Yeah. Yes. Because there's just so much, like there's, there's just so much to unpack, like in this episode. Um, do you have any overarching like thoughts or feelings before we really jump in? Yeah, I I really, really like this episode. This is one of the few episodes of season one that I distinctly recall from mm-hmm. season one, where it's like, if I ever, for some reason, am digging back into season one to watch episodes, this is one of the episodes that I will actually sit and watch. I think it's really, really interesting. The, the social like issues brought up in it are completely fascinating. And it's just not dumb. Right. Is that like a lot of this, the episodes we've been complaining about in season one, it's been like, oh my gosh, this is just so dumb. This is dumb and that's dumb and whatever. And like, this just isn't, you're just like, yeah. so, I was just so into the storyline that like, and the acting was great. It, this was just, this is what makes TNG so lovely. I feel like we're really on an upswing now. Yeah, definitely. This episode for me felt like one that was so good. It could have been placed in season three or four mm-hmm. and like, wouldn't have missed a beat. It's yep. so good. It is so good. So Okay, so to open the episode right off the bat, we start with the bosun's whistle, which we've only heard once so far on uh, where no one has gone before, and I love it. And Captain Picard announces that they'll be flying close to a sun that's undergoing these crazy magnetic field changes, so the crew may experience some disruption in their equipment. And and when he's doing that, I love that we're hearing his voice, but we're seeing people like do their business in engineering, or in Mm -hmm. you know, Doctor Crusher kind of looks up while she's in the middle of like scanning someone, and then gets back to her work. And I feel like that's a lovely little snapshot of like what life would be like on the on on the Enterprise, Mm -hmm. where you have these announcements coming through the PA system, but like, yeah, you're still doing, you're still doing your thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was really cool. Cause usually we don't get that. We just get a ship wide announcement and that's the announcement and we keep moving. Like when they go red alert, everything turns red and we keep it moving yeah. but to see like what's going on in the rest of the ship as these announcements are happening was, was really cool. It was, it was like an inner pan, right? Instead of yeah. like a 
the ship. This was a mixing up, mixing it up where we're seeing. Yeah, no, that it's, it's, it's lovely in that. In that. So there's a couple of things I've noticed in these little snapshots of like life on the enterprise. Um, there are scant uniforms running around, which no mm-hmm. surprise, cause it's still season one. I think we're going to finally get rid of that. In season I was two. a little surprised about that actually, because I, I only sort of, I remember the scant uniform on the man in mm-hmm. maybe naked now. Okay. I remember that from season one and being like, well, they put a man in a dress. That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. But I didn't, I had no idea that these uniforms were just like running around the ship Yeah, for episodes and episodes. We're on episode 21 and people I are know. still wearing these outfits. I'm like, seriously, what? seriously. You're so right about that. Like in my previous recollection, I thought they were just in the pilot episode and then they ditched them. Yeah. So or maybe like, like three more episodes. Yeah. And, and never again. Like, and then never again. But yeah, here they are. They're, they're more background. They're not like as in your face about it, but there they are. And then when we reviewed 11001001, the Binar episode, mm-hmm. Picard and Riker have to go to main engineering to and to like start the auto destruct. And I said that engineering table has chairs. Mm-hmm. When have they ever had chairs? And you know what? They were actually back. Like when we see the scan uniform, there's somebody sitting at a chair at that engineering dock table. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, I guess they did have chairs a couple of times. It just is not very memorable. So. All right, so we get that cool bosun's whistle announcement. Um, they put the sun, the star that's like undergoing all these changes, um, on main viewer. And I don't know if you noticed this or if you caught this, but Picard says, let's block out the sun's photosphere because it's like too bright. Mm-hmm. And they basically take this black circle and just put it over the photosphere of the they sun. They totally drag and drop it. They totally did. And I was like, I bet for 1988, that seemed really cool. But for like 2020, that's like, man, that's some really shitty like drag and drop work right there. It's like, <laughs> so it didn't age well. It didn't age well. This is like this is like the opposite of the crystalline entity, right? Which was like a cool special effect where you're it like, looked cool then, it looks cool then, it looks cool now. Yeah, this yeah. is the opposite of that. However, I do <laughs> like how they showed the um uh, what do you call that? Those eruptions that happen on the sun? Oh, the solar flares. Yeah, the solar flares were just so pretty. Yes, and those were those were solar flares video taken from our own sun. Of course, because this planet's not obviously. Real. Yeah, but- <laughs> obviously. But well, I mean, it, it didn't. It wasn't computer generated. Like it was actually like NASA footage. Yeah, that's space cool. footage, which okay, is cool, cool. Which is cool because I was like, they could have easily have done like some you know CGI some weird magic CGI. And- yeah, thing which could have been amazing and could have been horrible. Yeah, it could have been the crystalline entity, or it could have been Q's net. You know, Q's so- space net. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so while they're checking out the sun, they spot the small freighter that's in danger and its orbit is decaying um, around this planet. So it's mm-hmm. going to crash into a planet, yes. which is a problem. It's, it's unfortunate. It, it's super unfortunate. So the crew seems a little simple, I want to say. The crew of the freighter. Yes. So mm-hmm. Picard and Riker are like, hey, do you guys need help? Like, what can we do? And they're like, uh, the ship go boom. Like, the problem, yeah. we don't know. You know, it's like... Yeah. And I love the faces of the crew of, of the Enterprise. What? Like, <laughs> what is going on? And Picard says, okay, we're going to try to pull you out with a tractor beam. And the captain of the freighter says, uh, that's, that's great. Let's try that. And Picard's like, what? Like, it's just he's like, like, he's like uh, uh, do, if, if you think that's best. And Picard's, <laughs> like, Picard's like, why, yes, I do think that that's best. And he goes, um, okay. yes 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 and he goes if you think that's best of picard what he actually says in one moment is 
yes, unless you have some other option. And the guy's like, um, no, <laughs> like, this is not, I think this is actually one of those very real things that you could run into when you run yes. into like different alien yeah. races that don't structure their power the same way or don't communicate the same way. Mm-hmm. They won't be as like clipped and professional as like the mm-hmm. card might be. And mm-hmm. they might just be like, uh, okay. <laughs> you, know, which you know what? Definitely that's true. That's true. We don't really run into any, any alien species that are just like dumb we don't really run into that on TNG now that I think about it. Any any species where they're just we, like totally like nonsensical. Yes. Like, no, you know, where they, because that would be so comical that I don't think it would fit in the dramatic yes. storyline yes. of the show. Well, there is that one race that kidnaps Jordy. Remember, they, they like kind of pretend to be stupid. And Jordy's like, I'll beam over and help you like fix your ship. And they're like, our ship is fast. And he's like, Oh, okay. Like I'm on my way. Mm-hmm. And once they have him, then they kidnap him. And they're, they're not they're, Okay. They're just smart enough to like kind of rest on their, like, l- we sound dumb so we can like lure. Yeah. To use that manipulatively. Exactly. But they're not actually smart enough to, to like see that all the way through to the end because Jordy like very quickly like outsmarts them and then it's kind of like game set match. <laughs> that's sort of Interesting. It. Yeah. But that's, huh. that's not until later. That's not until later. Okay. Anyway. All right. So the, the ship begins to disintegrate and, and, and Yard does some like transporter trickery to get the... And you know, and I'm across. getting really anxious in those first, gosh, I feel like it was like 12 minutes, but it was probably like four. Maybe. But I feel like it was so long of them chit-chatting and I'm like, Enterprise, you see the freighter is crashing it's about to burn up in the atmosphere yeah. and explode yeah. and you're sitting here chit-chatting with the crew on the yeah. freighter who don't understand what you're saying to them so how about you just save their butts like pull them out you know it's like we could use Agreed. a tractor and they're like hey guys you want to use a tractor sure sure we could use a tractor beam okay let's use a tractor just like freaking just like, do it they're, they're engaged you know, bring engage. yeah engage right and then you it's literally like, have a word for that just engage yes. and then <laughs> they're like oh the tractor doesn't work because we're too close to this and the magnetic whatever they're like hmm do you guys have any okay you you guys your your coil's not working can you repair your coil they are literally about to die we have like a ticking time clock here like all of that was making me so anxious i was oh, like yeah. somebody make a effing call you know, I, I so agree with you on that, especially when Yar was already like in the transporter room doing her magic. And she's like, go to your transport pad, engage this. And they're like, uh, l- let me ask and see if anybody knows how to do that. And then there's like four seconds of silence and you're like, come on. Right. Because, of course, Worf is like yeah. uh, external hull temperature, 10 million degrees. And you're like, oh, yeah. God, just hurry. <laughs> yeah. So they so they they managed to beam like goldy, coppery canister barrels. Mm-hmm. and they're like, what the F? Like, where are the people? So then, you know, Riker quickly says, like, beam that to a tra- to like a cargo. To a cargo and then let's, yeah. yeah, let's just get these people. So there are six crew members. Two of them don't make it. And miraculously, four of them do. Miraculously, through this crazy energy storm and magnetic whatever, they manage to get through. And Yar's just like, if you would have just beamed yourselves instead of your cargo wasting precious time yeah we could have saved everybody but yeah it seems like yar's the only one who cares about that i feel like the enterprise is the only one who cares and they care very briefly where they're like man nobody seems upset about the fact that you guys lost two crew members but they're also not that upset that two crew members are, which i guess it's it's hard to be upset about yeah. somebody you don't know the four come aboard two of them are like very well dressed and two of them are like ragtag looking mm-hmm. and they're speaking really disheveled. like disheveled and they have like that very basic language and so the two, Tijan and Romus, are like, did our cargo make it? And Riker's like, yes, but we couldn't find, like, the pattern to, to lock onto the other two crew members. And they're like, 
but, but the cargo made it right. It's like, how are you guys not upset that you lost two right. lives for literally no reason? That's what everyone's wondering. And that's what gets revealed later. Why mm-hmm. you're not upset. Why nobody cares that those two people died. Yeah. Yeah. Literally nobody cares. Mm-hmm. So they want to see the cargo immediately. And it becomes very quickly apparent that the well-dressed and the not well-dressed groups mm-hmm. kind of have a little beef with each other. And, and they start arguing about who the cargo actually belongs to. And, and we see this really cool effect where they attack each other using like internally generated electricity, mm-hmm. which is super cool. That and I love so that, cool. I love that Tasha has to like shoot one of them with a phaser and she's like, behave. Zach, yeah, she goes, behave. Behave yourselves, gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> like okay (laughs) a little dominatrix yar coming out there it totally was that was like you know that and that that sums up like the the faces that Riker and yar made when they saw them like electrifying each other yeah they were making the whole episode up to this point where they were just like who are these people who are these people Mm -hmm. and they start electrocuting each other and it's like uh what do we do and then yar you know faithful yar shoot somebody that's her job (laughs) So she somebody and then they're like, all right, all right, we're good. We're good. You know, Yar would make an excellent police officer in this day and age. She just shoots first, yeah. asks questions later, and then has zero repercussions for yeah. killing people. She would make a great American just in general. Because yep. I think that's how we roll. Yep. You know, we're just like, danger, scary, kill it. Oh, wait, who was that? <laughs> was yes. That, I thought it was a burglar. I guess it was oh, my innocent, friend coming out the door. Oh, an innocent person? Yeah. Okay, we'll put you on administrative leave so you can go on vacation with your family while we deal with this mess. Anyway, so at so. There is this great hallway scene where Yar and Riker are walking out of the cargo hold once they sort of like cool the situation down. And they're walking sort of back to a turbo lift to get to the bridge, I assume. And Riker and Yar are having this back and forth about like, have you ever seen an alien race that generates electricity? No. What do we do with it? Can we disarm them? How do we keep them from creating a ruckus like on the ship? Like these are all very valid questions that you would Mm -hmm. have to ask as like chief of security. I thought... Mm-hmm. You know, Yar is finally becoming like useful other than just being like a gun. I felt the same way. And this kind of kind of piggybacks off of our last episode review where Yar has this really brilliant idea before they go down to the planet where she's saying, okay, let's take a small contingency to the planet for this yes. and that reason. And I was like, yeah, way to do your job. And then here again, she's saying, well, this is going to be a challenge. And she's asking these really thoughtful questions. And again, I was like, all right, Yar, you're really stepping into that role of being super functional as uh, chief of security, which is ironic mm-hmm. because not too much later than this, the character Yar will no longer be on the show. So yeah. it's like she's finally stepping up and like doing something that I feel like is really appropriate for her role, not just jumping out and shooting things. Um, and then and then she stops. So whatever, we'll, we'll enjoy it while it's here. At this point, Troy is actually being really helpful. She points out something that we notice: none of the aliens seem upset about the loss of the two crew members, but she does also say like the cargo barrel is a tremendous source of anxiety for them mm-hmm. and and we see them fighting over it but we don't really know that like they're super duper anxious about it or nope. why no nope. so troy thank you for being helpful thanks and, troy and, yeah th- thanks so much so we find out that the cargo is medicine called felicium and it's the only cure for a deadly plague on one of the two worlds bum 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 i mean that in itself was like ah this is why they're fighting so fiercely about who owns the cargo because right. the, one group is saying we paid for it fair and square. So it's ours. And the more well-dressed they're called the Breckians. The Breckians are like, uh, well, 
your payment blew up with the ship. So you haven't actually paid. So it's ours. And right. I don't know, what, what do you, what would you do, Sharice, if you were in that situation, if you, if you had realized this is medicine and the Onarans, the like simpler people mm-hmm. need this to cure a plague and the Breckians don't want to give it up. What do you think you, what would you do? What would I do being a member of Starfleet is what you're yes. asking. Yes. Yeah. If you were we've got like three, we've got three sides of this die here, totally. I guess. Um, yeah, it's a really challenging situation. And I like how Picard was really careful and diplomatic in his treatment of the situation because he was really honoring the prime directive and like, how do we, you know, we're trying to save lives. That's why we beamed you guys off the ship before it exploded. But how do we not interfere in your cultural customs and your, um, relationship with one another as neighboring planets, right? Like it's not my job to get involved with your, your conflicts. Um, I just want to save your lives and kind of send you home. So um, it's a really difficult position to be in. I'm not sure what exactly I would do. Beverly is obviously the voice of, of um, kind of, I think the audience in this, she's the voice of like, no, this is right. And this is wrong. And And in this like rare moment, we have a a rare moment for season one. We have Picard saying, no, we can't push our beliefs on other people, which Mm -hmm. I appreciate because that's what makes Picard like so lovely, such a wonderful Mm -hmm. leader moving through all the rest of the seasons. However, so far in season one, it's just been like every other culture they encounter are dumb and backwards and primitive unless they conform to Starfleet's way. Yes. Right? That's been like so many episodes of season one has been that like sure. our way or the highway. And so I actually appreciated that this wasn't such a clear cut and dry our mm. way or the highway. And they actually had a conversation about it. Like how do we approach other cultures? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's a fair discussion to have. However, at this point in the episode, we find out later on that the Felicium is not what it seems. But at this point in the episode, I'm like, if it's medicine that cures a deadly plague, I'm sorry. We have to like, we can't be party to like mass death because we didn't act to like save these people. You know, you guys can figure out payments some other way, but people shouldn't be dying for it. Like that's, that's what I think would make me not good Starfleet because I'd be all about like, no, we're giving the medicine to like the people who are dying period. Like, I don't care about your, I don't care about police. Right, right. And so that's the challenge is because it's like not, it's not your, it's not Picard's medicine to give. So it's like you coming in, it's like you coming into a conflict with two adults. Like you walk into a room, two adults are fighting over an object, right? And they, they are both claiming to own that object. And you come in and say, I'm going to take that object, give it from person A and give it to person B. And that's how it's going to be. And it's like, you're not their mom. Like you're, you're you're totally, you're a third party. You're a peer. You're not their parent. You're not in charge of them. You have no, so it's like, yeah, that's like, well, that'd be I, totally like not cool. Right. I really, I really align with Dr. Crusher where I'm like, people are dying. Right. Like I'm all about like, who cares? But you're right. Like we're not, the whole point of the Federation is not to be the intergalactic police, even though they totally are, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's not the point. So, mm-hmm. but here's something interesting. When Picard, when the Onarans mentioned that all of them carry the plague from birth, Right. And this medicine, the Felicium, is the only thing that keeps their symptoms at bay. Picard very intelligently assumes that if they are born with the plague, they must have brought it on board. They could have brought it on board the ship. So that was smart because he's like, oh, we need to do medical scans to make sure that you didn't infect the whole ship. Thank God they didn't go with the virus subplot. Thank you know what? God. I actually, ah. thought, I actually thought they were going to start with a computer virus at the beginning of the episode because I wasn't sure which one this was when I started watching oh, it. Oh, and with the because, distortion. Right, with all, the, with all the electrical distortions of the computer, I was like, oh, here we go. Yeah. There's going to be some other computer virus that messes up the systems and it affects another system. Yeah. And, 
And I was like, oh, okay. And then when I saw the, the aliens, I was like, oh, it's this one. Okay. I like this one. Yes. <laughs> so there was two points here where this could have gone terribly, terribly wrong and turned into another virus episode. Yes. And, and you know what? They navigated those waters beautifully. Cause I'm like, thank God you guys didn't go with like a computer virus because of the distortion or now like a, a, a the plague virus subplot. Like I'm so glad I didn't go with that. So, so there's a couple of dynamics like happening here. The, the Breckians are the fancier aliens. Let's call them. They don't carry the plague. The Onarans are suffering, the two Onarans, Tajan and the other dude, mm-hmm. are suffering these symptoms and they're starting to go into like, you know, they're hurting. And so Picard goes to speak to the Breckians to convince them to like, can we just give two doses so that they can feel better and kind of get through these negotiations? Which Picard basically walks in on these two asshole Breckians like toasting that they mm-hmm. are like going to make a shit ton of money or whatever. And it's like, you guys are like the worst people you're just basically like war profiteers kind of like mm-hmm. um the 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 planet from last minos. week's episode yeah mm-hmm. minos thank you so it's like you're just profiteering off of like the suffering of others and that like it's just they, they're so unlikable and the woman in particular mm-hmm. is just so smug and snide like oh, i just want to wipe that smirk off her face she is just the worst <laughs> she's the worst but picard goes in he's like hey can we do these two doses and they're like okay and then this is kind of where the other shoe drops, mm-hmm. right? Like they get the, do- the the two doses and they immediately start feeling better. And Dr. Crusher, thank God she is on duty and on Crusher it. to the rescue yet again. Again, the crushers are crushing it again. Um, this is one that has Wesley. Last week didn't have Wesley. This one has Wesley, but mm-hmm. he's like- In his rainbow sweater. In his, in his magical rainbow sweater. Um, but Dr. Crusher is on it and she's like, look, I don't know anything about this plague. I don't know anything about this Felicium. But I do know a drug addict when I see one. Mm-hmm. And the no drug makes you feel like instantly high. Like no um, medicine. No would. medicine makes right. you feel but instantly a narcotic high. We would. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so and I thought this was really interesting because they're using a word narcotic in the 24th century, which we know, you know, in the 80s. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I was like, oh, that's that's like super clever. And as I did a little research, I found out that this episode was written by the executive producer, Maurice Hurley, after he had worked on writing episodes for Miami Vice, which is all about drug trade. So he wanted to do, he wanted to do like a drug trade in space. Yeah. Yeah. Put anything in space and it becomes infinitely more interesting in my opinion. Yes. Also just, I would point this out because this is like a running theme for me. I am obsessed with the names in this episode. They are so cool, like Tijan and like the, like all of it, like yeah. the Breckians so be, or whatever. So be yeah. Langor the Breckian. Sobe is the man and Langor is the woman. Um, and then Tijan is like the blonde, ca- the blonde captain right. of the ship. The and captain. then Romus is the brown haired guy. But yeah, they are so cool. Those names are great. Like Sobe and Langor. It's not just like Joshua or something where it's like <laughs> a real name with like a... Yeah, these na- the names alien names are super hard and they always match it to the feel of the planet if it's like a rough planet they have a lot of hard k sounds and if it's like a sweet yes, planet they have these like yeah. yeah it's just it's very cool it's very cool anyways so yeah so she's like you know crusher to the rescue and she's like i recognize a narcotic when i see it this mm-hmm. is not medicine these are drugs and then picard's like wait so you're saying that the entire planet she's like yes are drug addicts all of them are drug addicts but they don't know that they're drug addicts. And then it's like, Ooh, this is, this is really awkward now because, you know, Crusher wants to come in and be like, here, take this synthetic thing and it's going to ease your withdrawal symptoms and everybody will not be a drug addict because it's not good to be a drug addict. Mm -hmm. It's just like, 
wait a minute. Like this is, there's Again, a whole, prime directive, right? There's a whole, there's a whole bigger picture here than just a drug addict who wants to be, by the way, let's mention that who wants to be in recovery. They don't even know they're addicts. Yeah. But for an addict to really recover, they need to choose to recover. And she's making that choice for them. True. And then he's like, wait a minute. These, this is like, there's a relationship between these two cultures. Like there's a lot more going on than just, than just us coming in and saving the day. Um, and this is something that we actually, a term that I've heard coined in the, the Christian world is that when um, missionaries will go to different uh, developing nations and, and offer support, mm-hmm. there's this phrase called the great white hope where it's like these, you know, white Westerners come along and they drop a bunch of money or they build wells or whatever, and then they leave, but they don't teach anybody how to repair the wells. Yeah. So it's like, oh my gosh, we've got water until the wells break and no one knows how to fix the well. And now they're back where they were before they started. Yeah. And now the great white hope is gone. And so we need like, instead of just, you know, like giving a man fish, it's like teaching men to fish. Yes. And and anyways, just that, just that idea of like, I'm going to come in and save the day. And you actually don't think about all those bigger issues. Yeah. And you cause more damage than good. I feel like that's what was going on. That's what came through my mind is Beverly's just like, this is wrong. We need to come in and fix it. And Picard's like, whoa, wait a minute. There's more stuff going on than just this one thing. Well, yeah. And, and there's, there is a lot, there's a lot of layers to this episode that all kind of drop at once. As soon as Dr. Crusher realizes that the Felicium is a, is a powerful narcotic, we start getting all this background information and very conveniently data's like, Hey, I found a whole bunch of stuff in the yeah, database, which he didn't find like 10 minutes ago when they had asked him. When he <laughs> tracking, but whatever, and, and, whatever. and also he's a computer. So he should be able to access it like instantaneously, but whatever, whatever Data's allowed to have a slow day. Um, <laughs> but you know, even technology has hiccups sometimes, but this is mm-hmm. what we basically find out right off the bat on Brekia and Onara. They have this like kind of, um, Deadly trade plague. going. Yeah, they had they had this trade going between them and they had this deadly plague on Brekia and Onara. And Brekians basically realized like this Felicium was a plant that they could use as medicine. But if you continue to distill it and distill it and distill it and make it more and more pure, it basically becomes like cocaine or speed or whatever. And then now you become co- completely and hopelessly addicted to it from birth, right? So the Brekians were able to very quickly realize the plague has been wiped out. We're over it. And now we don't want to become hooked on this plant, but they very conveniently did not mention that to the Onarans. And so they created a trade for like an equitable kind of way of life. Mm-hmm. So the Breckians don't know how to do anything at all. They don't know how to do fuck all except make this drug. Mm-hmm. And in exchange, the Breckians are like, since you are willing to give us the means to live, to have life, we will make everything and do everything for you. So the Breckians don't know how to do anything. And the Onarans, which is kind of weird. This was like- Oh, you weird. mean the Onarans don't know how to do anything? No, no, no. The Breckians don't know how to do anything. Remember, the, the Onarans are the ones who like provide them with like goods and services and all this stuff mm-hmm. in exchange for the drug, which they think is medicine. Mm-hmm. And the Breckians, like it's their only industry is just mm-hmm. distilling this plant down to like a powerful narcotic. So it's really gnarly because this is like a very, it's not a symbiotic way of life. It's like a parasitic way of life. Right. And I feel bad because the Onarans like have no idea. Like I wish somebody would have just said, said like, here's what we found out. You guys are drug addicts. It's not your fault. You didn't know. But now that you have that information, you can choose a path that works for your world. Like keep using the drug if you want or don't, but at least you like are aware of what you're doing. Right, which would also break the prime directive, even sharing that information, because that's how the, they've maintained this trade. So originally, like 2,000 years ago or whatever, 
the Onarans were technologically advanced, much more so than the Brickians. Yeah. And so when, so the one thing that they had was this Felicium plant, which only grew on their planet. So they had to depend on them for that plant in order to survive. Um, had the Brackians not made it more and more potent, yeah. it probably just would have been a mild narcotic. People would have all, you know, they would have just far surpassed the other planet in their technological yes. advances. Yes. But because they turned them into dependent drug addicts and they became drug dealers, um, now we've got this situation where even though they're supplying them with goods and services, like they're probably not that great because look at how crappy no. their, their ship is. I mean, yeah. how good drug addicts can only do but so much, even if they're high-functioning yes. drug addicts because they created the Felicium to wear off after 72 hours. <laughs> so you're just constantly dependent. You're constantly dependent. And that's, that takes up all of your focus and all of your energy and all of your time and everything mm-hmm. else you're doing and creating is just to get more Felicium. So if this was like a real world scenario, I'm like, they wouldn't be able to supply anybody with anything. No. They'd be just like looking for their next fix. Exactly. Especially 72 hours. Like that is like a quick turnaround. That's, that's pretty short. Yeah. So, well then once we, once we realize that like it's a drug, we have this very awkward, Wesley Crusher moment where he's like, why do people want to do drugs? It's very after school special. It's very after school mm-hmm. special where Tasha's like, well, people do drugs because they feel good. But then after a while, like you're just trying to get to baseline. Like you're just trying to get to your next fix. And what, oh, Will Wheaton, bless your heart. He was doing the like child puzzled face where he's like, mm-hmm. I don't understand. Why would people want to do drugs? And I'm like, um, oh, which broke my heart in real world because he was, as we've talked about before, he was in Stand By Me with River Phoenix, mm-hmm. who died of a drug overdose. Mm-hmm. And being a child star and, like, palling around with all those child stars, like, you're very well aware of, like, drug use. Um, even if, like, I don't know if Will Wheaton ever got into doing it himself or not, and I'm not mm-hmm. here to judge if he did, but as a, as a, as a child actor, you, you're totally aware of like who's using and how, you know, it's just that, that was really sad because Wesley, you know, well, Wheaton wasn't that innocent, but Wesley Crusher was like, drug use? Why? Yeah. You know, it was like, yeah. And uh, this scene, we actually referenced this scene, I believe in our first, in our welcome episode, this podcast, because this relationship that they're trying to create between Yar and and Wesley this like big sister little brother thing was actually written into the TNG Bible which is something that the creator of this show Gene Roddenberry made as the writer's guide for like who these characters are and what they stand for and one thing that was written into Yar's character was that she kind of had this this I don't want to say misfit youth because it seems like she did something wrong, but she grew up in this horrible planet full of yeah. rape gangs and all this crazy stuff. And she like managed to survive and fight her way out of that planet. Mm-hmm. So she didn't really get to have a childhood. She didn't get to have fun. And you know, like everything basically that, that Wesley Crusher is doing and is living is what Yar wishes her childhood was like. Yes. So when she's, and this is in the TNG Bible, this is not apparent in the show, but when she sees Wesley, she just sees like her youth, her innocence, what could have been. And she wants to promote him and support him, encourage him and keep him on the straight and narrow, which obviously he's going to, cause he's such a like nice boy. Um, but this scene was supposed to be kind of, kind of starting to build that relationship. And you and I talked about before how Jordy and Data's relationship was also foretold in the TNG Bible. Yeah. And you don't see it a ton in season one. You see like little glimpses, but by the time you get to season seven, you're just like, oh yeah, they're totally best friends. Like you can't imagine one without the other. Yeah. That was supposed to be the intention for Yar and Wesley was that by the end mm. of it, you'd see this big sister, little brother thing. That's just like really beautiful. So that's another thing we would have seen had this character continued on the show but she doesn't so anyways this scene this scene was going to have a purpose seasons from now right well I mean I'm I'm 
I wish we could have seen more of Yar develop into this like much more multifaceted character. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. Um, but I really could do without the like buddy buddy with Wesley. Like it's just there's too much of an age gap. There's too many. It's too much of like you come from different worlds kind of thing. Like it's a little yeah. weird. It is a little weird. Like I can see Data and Jordy because even though Data's an android, like they're same age roughly. They're kind of the same ranks. They sort of are all constantly like mixing in the same circles. Mm-hmm. But Wesley. Wesley only interacts. Wesley and Yar, why would they be hanging out? Exactly. Why would you be <laughs> hanging out? It doesn't make any sense. But anyway, so we have this after school special. Mm-hmm. And it was basically, it ended up becoming like one of those rainbow, like the more you know like, type of moments. And I was like, I could have totally done without that. So <laughs> I'm good. Thank you guys. Let's keep it moving. But anyway, all right. So now we know that it's a drug. The Breckians all of a sudden are like, you know, we thought about it. We don't want any suffering on this planet. They can pay us anyway later and we'll allow them to have the Felicium. And Picard and Crusher have this like super awkward back and forth. Did you notice this? Where Picard is like, the sh- other shoe has dropped. Mm-hmm. And Beverly's like, what shoe? How do they know? Oh, they know that it's a drug and not a medicine. And they only would have known that. Like they're having this like aside. Mm-hmm. But right in front of them and it was so tacky I hated it I hated it so much like it was just it made it made me like it made my skin crawl a little bit mm-hmm. and I thought that there could have been a much better way to write that like oh you guys do know that it's a drug okay so you are complete scumbags okay you know but instead it was like how would they know they'd only know if they was on their planet too and then they must have it's like stop talking amongst yourselves right like the Breckians are like we can hear you you're literally a foot in front of us yeah, it's like the Sherlock Holmes moment, right? That's how Sherlock Holmes always does it, where he's like, well, of course, it was this. Why do you think it was that? And then they kind of like reveal it. So I think that was more for the audience's benefit. But yeah, it could have been done oh. more simply. However, I will say it, get, it was effective. It got the point across. We were just like, hey, you guys know it's not a medicine. Yeah, you guys are scumbags. Like, and they're just like, so are you going to tell them? Because you could, like now that you figured out a big secret. And then Picard's just like, no, I can't tell them. And then, and then the, the evil woman is just like, yes, it's none of your business. And yeah. has this like little smirk. And you're just like, you're lucky. And you just want to be like, you know, he could tell them right now. Right. Like, even though he just told you, yes, yes. Like, don't push policy. it. Yeah. You have a little smirk. He could be like, you know what? Beep. Hey, where are the narcs? Like he could just yeah. tell them right then. <laughs> you haven't escaped yeah. anything. Don't overplay your hand. Yes. That woman yes. is such a bitch. God, I just <laughs> she's just the worst. And I don't know if it's that the, the writers wrote her to be more grating because she's female. Because, you know, society so society kind of tends to look like less favorably on females than males, unfortunately. And so if you have a bad guy, it's like even more like hateable if they're female because some stupid gender role basically says that like, we're just supposed to be like lovely and empathetic all the time. And instead it's like, how could you not be empathetic? Like you're the worst. Like that other guy is just as bad, but mm-hmm. she was somehow hate more hateable anyway. So, so Picard is like, Nope, I can't, uh, I can't tell them because the prime directive precludes me or precludes me. Is that the right word? The prime directive basically bars me from mm-hmm. being able to say anything. Mm-hmm. But then here's my problem. In the final scene, the Breckians and the Onarans are preparing to beam down to Onara. Picard allows the Onarans to take the Felicium, mm-hmm. even though he knows it's a drug, 
but he does not allow them to take the coils to repair the ships. Right. So knowing that the trade, because they only have, the Onarans only have two ships. Mm-hmm. So the, the trade between the Onarans and the Breckians is going to be disrupted. The flow of Felicium is about to end. Mm-hmm. The whole planet's about to go into like massive withdrawals mm-hmm. and everybody's going to, eventually the planet will start to rebuild itself. Mm-hmm. But I thought, okay, that was, it was just, it was a just ending. Mm-hmm. But by disrupting the trade between these planets and disrupting their relationship, you completely fucking threw the Prime Directive out the window. But see, I disagree there because had the Enterprise not come along and saved the freighter, the exact same thing would have happened. The freighter would have been destroyed. The Felicium would have been destroyed. They would have taken their last two ships. Like they would have never gotten these coils anyways. I feel like he didn't disrupt anything. He just kind of left. He literally left it as it was because by giving the coils, now he would be, now he'd be changing things, right? I mean, saving their lives, technically, he did change things, but yes. they break the prime directive to keep people from blowing up. They do that all the time. Yeah. Um, but that would have still happened. Like, had the Enterprise not come along, the ship would have been destroyed. They wouldn't have gotten any new coils. They wouldn't have gotten any new trade. They would have, eventually, those two derelict ships would have, would have stopped, and they would have still been in the same position. Oh, you know, you're so right. So I feel like he didn't do anything wrong. He just decided to not help enable them. That's what he chose to do. And the um, hmm. evil guy had that complaint, right? Where he was like, you just, you know, you can't interfere, yada, yada, yada. Like, like first he was like, you know, they were like, she was like, yeah, it's none of your business, like what we do. But then when he said, no, you're not taking the coils. Like you guys figure, you will have to figure it out on your own. You will have to repair your own ship. Mm-hmm. You'll have to figure that out on your own. And then the evil, you know, Bracken was just like, well, that's not fair. That's not right. Like you have to help. And then he said, well, you didn't have a problem with it with me holding the prime directive when it was in your favor. Yeah. Now that I'm holding the prime directive and it's not in your favor, now you don't like it. But you know what? Yeah. The prime directive is the prime directive and this is what it is. So I feel like he just chose to stay neutral with both ways. And he said too to Beverly, like the second they agreed to give the Felicium, my hands were tied. I couldn't say or do anything because that was their, they traded like they wanted to trade. Yeah. I had no, I have no right to interfere in their trade. So by not giving them the coils... I am choosing to not interfere in their trade. Their trade will continue as it would have if we hadn't come along or will not continue. That's a, that's a really good point um, because I saw it as you are disrupting their trade. Everything's about to be thrown into flux because of a decision that you're making. But I could really see though that that was going to happen anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I always feel like, <laughs> I feel like, I always have these really strong opinions and then somebody's like, oh, but this one thing. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> so I don't know how strong those opinions actually are. Maybe my conviction, maybe my convictions aren't worth jack shit. I don't know. But, <laughs> but I, I could, I could see that. I could see that. I do think though, if you know that this planet is going to go into these massive withdrawals, one of the things that Dr. Crusher says is we can give them some sort of synthesized stuff that basically like eases their withdrawal pain so that the the entire planet can kind of like move on Mm -hmm. but without like being in this like horrible god knows how many months of like turmoil that's going to be or weeks or whatever i don't really know very much about drug addiction because i've always kind of stayed away from that sort of world but you're about to throw this entire planet into turmoil like you couldn't do anything to ease their suffering like that seems heartless that seems heartless like you could say like, hey, we've got this like short-term stuff that you could take. And then that would just kind of ease them off the drug addiction. But then it would also be like, hey, we're not going to give you coils, but we're going to give you some synthetic Felicium. Like that would not be like, no, the, it the wouldn't. Americans would not be okay with that. Either. It wouldn't, it wouldn't work. But I also see though, like Dr. Crusher's desire to, right, to help. not, yeah, to help because they don't have to go through these terrible pains and withdrawals. Right. It's like I had this, 
I've had, I had to have an emergency root canal mm-hmm. um, recently, which was like super traumatizing. But, you know, if they say like, well, we have this anesthetic, you know, so it would help you or not. I'm like, no, no, give me the anesthetic because mm-hmm. I'm not doing a root canal like without anesthesia. There's no way. Yeah. Right? The only difference in that metaphor is that you're like, huh, I need a root canal because I have a very painful infection. And oh, look, I have the choice to get anesthetic or not yeah. versus this scenario where the drug addicts don't know they're drug addicts. Yeah. They think they're dying from a plague and the drug dealers are telling them that this is medicine. So their anxiety yeah. is not from getting a fix. I mean, it's from getting a fix physiologically, but even Picard said it. He said it's psychological. Like they mm-hmm. literally think this is their only way to survive. And you would, again, you'd be making the choice for them. You'd be like, with the knowledge I have, I'm going to fix this for you. Yeah. And I honestly think like, because they don't even know they're drug addicts, they don't even know that they're going to go through withdrawal. Like there's a lot of stuff they, they just don't know. Yeah. That they need to be educated on that they probably wouldn't believe because for hundreds of years, this is challenging their belief, yeah. their fundamental belief system that's been in place for hundreds of yeah, years. Yeah, they think they need it to survive, which is... Yeah, and so I honestly think that the withdrawal pains, which could last for days of just, you know, agony and all of that is how they're going to learn, right? When they come out, because they're going to be convinced that they're literally dying because they've been told their whole lives that you're going to die. if You don't have this. Question. So they will think that they're going to die and then they'll live. And then they'll start asking the questions. Wait a minute. What's going on? Yes. See, that's, I would love, I, I would just so love to go back and do like a, where are they now mm-hmm. of Brekia and Onara? Because once Onarans realize what's up, they're not going to be too happy with Brickia and Brickia is not going to get any more goods and services. And then Onara is going to rebound with their technology pretty fast. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> now the Brekkians who were just, <laughs> maybe they're like, they're going to have a come to Jesus moment where it's like, maybe we shouldn't have been complete dicks for hundreds of years. Yeah. And now they're going to be like, shoot, now we need to reroute our industry to do something else to take care of ourselves. It's yeah. Just, because yeah. that planet, I, I imagine if we were to predict Onara is going to rebound technologically very quickly once they're not drug addicts. And Brekia is going to fall into complete disrepair. And they're going to basically, they're, they're going to basically have like a stone age all over again, where they have to start all over again and learn how to like build their, so both and potentially planets, a war. Both oh, plans sure. will have to rebuild and be, will have to be rebuilt and potentially a war between the two of like, right. Just- yeah. Well, if, yeah. Cause if you think about it, once the Brekians or once the Onarans like are back on their feet and not depend on this drug, they'll be able to do whatever they want. build their spaceships. And then they'll be able to just like take over Onara. And Onara <laughs> will have Brekia. no defense. Oh, yeah. Brekia will have no defenses because they don't have any skills in anything other than this one thing. So yeah, yeah it's very, yeah. Oh, where are they now would be so fascinating. I would totally watch that episode. Right. Right. Well, I'm <laughs> going to throw this out to our listeners. If you have a fanfic version of like, what's going to happen once the enterprise leaves, you know, like two days later, two months later, 10 years later, whatever. I want to know. I want to know what you think, because I feel like this is one, like there's so much meat on this bone, Sharice. Like we've been talking for almost an hour and I still have so many thoughts that I could share. Yeah. So all that to say is I think this episode um, ages really well. It does. Like it's fascinating. And it, again, I think the beauty of it is that it just, it talks about human nature, mm-hmm. right? Even though we're talking about here at like legit drug addiction and drug dealers, we're all, we all have addictions. Sometimes they're addictions yeah. to good, healthy things. And sometimes they're addictions to destructive things and sometimes their addictions to neutral things yeah but we all have those things that we like kind of get that fix for and we kind of look to to change our mood change our attitude whatever mm-hmm. so i feel like this just really it it really stands the test of time i i agree i agree this is, i think this is one of those like really wonderful episodes that just 
ages so nicely, you know, mm-hmm. too short a season and code of honor. It's just, it, it ages like milk, you know, it yeah. just doesn't, doesn't come out. Looking it, good. Yeah. Those were just trash. Just yeah. Trash. It's just garbage episodes, but this one is such a good one. Like I really do give this one like an A plus. Like I really do. Mm-hmm. This is, this is a fabulous episode. It has everything that you want. It's got human nature. It's got prime directive. It's got all that kind of stuff. And you've got Dr. Crusher riding her Huffy around you know, mm-hmm. like being on the high road, which I love. I love when she gets on her Huffy bike and rides around because she's in a half and she wants you to know about it. I love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And then they're like big questions. It's like, who could possibly disagree with, with Crusher, right? Like, yeah. it's just like, of course you would step in. Of course you do need to help. Of course, you know, yes. but then you have Picard playing that other side of being like, but wait, you can't just step in and decide how yeah. people are going to live. And then just go ahead and fly away. You Like what the heck? <laughs> You can't do that either. And you're just like, yes, we've imposed our will on you. And now we're going about our missions. Good luck, everybody. Yeah, like you can't do that either. And it's kind of like, huh, okay. So I really like that too, that they're giving you something to like chew on intellectually. Absolutely. Yeah, there, there is. Yeah, there's there's like a moral of the story at the end, but not. It's just more for like the audience to kind of chew on instead of like specifically about the characters that are going through this like in that moment. Mm-hmm. Anyway. This episode is wonderful. If there's any that you like miss in season one, we certainly wouldn't hate you over it, but like definitely check out Symbiosis. This is such a great episode. And and I noticed that like with these episodes that we love and have a lot of like good stuff to talk about, I'm a lot less smart assy because <laughs> I don't have a whole lot to like rip apart. Right. But it's just like, no, this episode just rocks. Like it's yeah. great. Um, okay. But then I feel like we've hit a high point because next week we're talking about season one, episode 22, Skin of Evil. And that is like bottom of the barrel, right? There. Bottom of the tar filled barrel. <laughs> I actually don't remember this episode. All I remember is that I hated it. So when I watch it, I'll see if that's still true, which I have a feeling it will be. <laughs> well, we'll thank you guys so much for listening and for watching with us. We love it. Oh, as an aside, um, we got like an alert that like our podcast is being listened to literally on every continent on the planet. So like we could not thank you guys enough for just checking out our little like dog and pony show or teeny tiny little like Star <laughs> Trek recap show. We love it. And we love you guys so much for listening. Yeah. And, like it just made our whole like month. So it really, you. really did. Yeah. Thanks everybody for, for listening in. We love it. <laughs> All right. We'll see you guys next week for Skin of Evil. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks for geeking out with us. Be sure to join the crew at thetngpodcast.com to be the first to know when we do our live shows or host events exclusively for our members. We'll see you next time. <laughs>